0: This last summer has been the summer of female economic power. Taylor Swift, Beyonce and the Barbie movie. Not only are they pop culture phenomenons, but some are crediting all three for keeping America out of a recession. And in the non-celebrity world, there have been some incredible gains too. While the pandemic did hit working women the hardest when it comes to job losses, females are actually returning to the workplace at a very fast clip. Last month, the share of American women in the labor force hit nearly 58%. That's a lower rate than men, but it's the closest gap that there's ever been. This is BizNow Reports. I'm Miriam Hall, and today my guest is Marilyn Joyner. She's a former CBRE broker who has founded a company called Her Workplace. That's a startup that offers both physical co-working and in-person events, as well as a digital networking and career resource platform, all tailored to women and non-binary people. After a successful summer of pop-ups, her workplace is taking over the Wings former space on the 11th floor of 25 West 39th Street, spanning across 10,000 square feet in the Thor Equities owned building. We're talking in a moment about switching from a daily job into entrepreneurship and how something like her workplace fits into this current moment of return to office. We're also discussing her views, though, of why she thinks there are so few women who make it to the top parts of the commercial real estate industry.
1: I was working for one of the top firms in New York City, and I kid you not, there were 18 women and over 250 male brokers. So there just aren't that many women to begin with. And since there aren't that many women to begin with, especially at the top, it's just really hard for women to play the politics internally and build those relationships internally to to then get put on the deals, to then be able to work with some of these more senior level men, to then make the commission so they they can get promoted.
0: First though, we're discussing taking on the wing space and why a physical location is happening so much earlier than expected.
1: We uh, used the former wing space in partnership with Thor Equities this past summer. And we were bringing over 60 women in the space on a daily basis for co-working days and networking opportunities and events in the evening. And because of my relationship with Thor Equities and the relationship that I had built while being a broker, we continued this relationship while going through this summer pop-up series. And so they approached us about doing more of a shorter term lease opportunity to take over the space for the rest of the year and this is really what my ethos in building her workplace is all about is obviously not only creating this incredible inclusive career community for women but also capitalizing on the real estate market and building
0: landlord partnerships now i appreciate you probably won't go into too much detail but give me a sense of the um negotiation Are you paying a set fee? Are you paying per square foot? How did that all shake out in terms of arranging that deal?
1: You know, we had this pop-up series over the course of seven days over the summer that was extremely successful. And the landlords saw the people that were coming in and utilizing the space and activating the space. And so we were approached to pay a set fee over the course of several months on a month to month basis. So it gives us flexibility, but it also gives them the chance to, you know, continue to keep their space utilized and activated as well as continuing to build the relationship together with the hope of potentially doing more of a longer term structure um, by the end of the year.
0: And does it look exactly like the, the wing? Like does it have all, is it all fitted out in the same way?
1: Yes, it it looks like they just upped and left, which they did. So it's fully furnished, fully built out. You know, it was operating for several years. So there's some small um, work that needs to be done, but yes, everything is in place, which is why it was such a great opportunity this summer for our pop up because it was truly a plug and play um, co-working series that we were able to offer.
0: You know, it's hard to imagine that that deal would have come together in the same way if the office world wasn't facing the challenges that it's facing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's so much office vacancy, as we all know, across the country and specifically in New York City, and it's taken some time for recovery. Um, and the space is situated in the heart of Midtown, adjacent to Bryant Park. Um, so, you know, if it was pre-pandemic um, or Later on, post-pandemic, it would definitely be at a, it would be a different opportunity and the landlord would be in a different situation.
0: The Wing, I think it's fair to say, had a lot of troubles in its final years. It closed in 2022, but it was built on a concept that originally, I suppose, that women needed and wanted a physical place to work and to network. But that concept was kind of formulated in a different era. What's given you the belief that this is a sound business model?
1: I think it's a couple of things. The first is over 72% of women are either working hybrid or fully remote working from home. You know, we going through the pandemic, we're going through this virtual working environment that, to be honest, a lot of people are sick of and You know they're ready to get back out there go to networking events have that in-person experience so it's not only the statistics of the actual women that actually need a space to work in um, but it's also providing networking professional development in-person programming and opportunities to give people that sense of the in-person experience again which i would say most of us are craving as we've come out of this pre-pandemic world.
0: Her workplace offers two types of memberships. There's the workspace community membership, which for 150 a month, you can get access to the physical co-working space in Manhattan, plus access to the digital community platform which is basically a way to virtually connect with the whole community. If you don't want the physical space, there's the $35 version. That's just the digital community. It's networking online, seeking membership, things like that. The idea is that it's open to all women, however their working arrangements may be, whether hybrid or otherwise, and whatever their location is, wherever they are in the country. There are 3,000 women on the wait list, Marilyn says, all gearing up for the digital membership that will begin this month. Right now, her workplace is all self-funded, but it will be opening an angel round in late September. The plan is to open eight locations over the next five years. Let's take a step back a little bit and talk about your career and to this point and what sort of led you to to build this type of uh, organisation. You were a broker for over 10 years. um, And over the years, as I've written about women in brokerage, I hear One, that it's a wonderful career for women, but on the other side that it's sort of rife with a continuing boys club mentality. Now that you're out of that world and able to reflect a little bit, I mean, what would you say are the biggest issues for women in brokerage?
1: The way that the brokerage firms are running should be reworked to where the more junior level people, they're the ones that are learning the deals, learning the market, doing the transactions. And the senior level people are really the ones that should be out sourcing the deals, continuing to leverage their own network since they already have them built. And I think for women, first off, there aren't that many women in brokerage to begin with. You know, I was working for one of the top firms in New York City, and I kid you not, there were 18 women and over 250 male brokers, so there just aren't that many women to begin with. There aren't that many incentives to attract and retain women. And then at the same time, you know, you're promoted by the amount of commission that you earn. And, you know, in these male-dominated industries like brokerage, it's a lot easier for men to build relationships with, with one another. You know, they're on the golf course or they're going out to drinks or they're doing things that men like to do. And at the same time, they're talking deal opportunities. And so a lot of the more junior level men are able to build those relationships in different ways than women do. And since there aren't that many women to begin with, especially at the top, it's just really hard for women to play the politics internally and build those relationships internally to then get put on the deals, to then be able to work with some of these more senior level men, to then make the commissions so they they can get promoted. And that's something that I really struggled with, you know, as a mid-career broker of trying to figure out how can I get to that next level and really struggling to navigate the politics internally, build those relationships with the more senior level people and really earning what I should have been earning throughout the process to get promoted.
0: So how far did you go in terms of climbing the ranks at Brokerage?
1: Yeah, so I you know, spent over 10 years in the industry, really started my career in Washington DC, working for another firm, moved with that firm to New York because I just was ready to take on a bigger city and I saw New York as a place that I could be long term. And then ended up changing firms to one of the biggest firms, um, specifically in the New York City market. Um, And so because I had moved firms and moved markets, you know, you sometimes set yourself back by doing that. Um, So I had made it up to like a mid-level position within the firm. But getting from that role to then a more senior level position is one of the biggest climbs that a lot of, brokers and women brokers specifically face because you're going from bringing in and making you know $200,000 to $300,000 gross to then having to double that number to then get promoted and you're having to make that amount of money within the course of specific years that are required. So a lot of brokers really struggle to get from that junior mid-level position up
0: to more of that senior role. So you were at CBRE um, most recently, which I have to say, you know, you said there were 18 women versus 250 men, but the women that are there, I mean, CBRE has some of the most famous um, and successful women in commercial real estate. I'm thinking about Mary Ann Tai um, and Darcy Stakeham, for example. So these are women of of significant note at the firm, and you still felt that there wasn't that career path to step into the, the higher level.
1: Yes, I did. And and look, Darcy Stakem and Mary are an incredible women that have really paved the way for a lot of women getting into the ind- industry and being successful. I think that the biggest problem with the firm that I was with in particular and other firms as well is that you have a lot of, you have a f- very few women at the very top because they went through a different era. You know, they were building their careers you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so, you know, they were kind of playing the boys game and really navigating on their own how to continue to advance and succeed and get to that next level. Um, I think that times have changed and, you know, women are asking for more and they're trying to find mentors that are like them. And they're trying to find other women to help them rise through the ranks and, you know, get to that next level. And, you know, both Marianne and Darcy do a really great job of supporting women and helping them. I just don't think that there's enough enough people to be able to do that at this moment, just given the number of women that are at specific levels. And I think that that's, you know, a big problem across a lot of the firms is you just don't have that many women that are in that mid-level tier of, like, vice president up to managing director. And so those are the women that I think are really going to help advance
0: the younger women. But you just, you have a broken rung. Let me hit you with a couple of fairly startling statistics. So a pay gap really does still exist in commercial real estate. So in 2020, the official numbers um, for CRE, or the best possible numbers that we have access to, which come from CRU, was that women on fixed salaries make an average of 10% less than men. Um, but for commissions and bonuses, women take home 56% less on average than their male counterparts. It's really hard to imagine that that would have moved favourably much in the past three years. These are 2020 figures, though. In your experience, did you, did you see that happening? And maybe give me, as much as you can, some some descriptions of how that would play out on a practical level. Because I can't imagine it would be okay in the workplace to say, no, you're not having your, what's yours? So it's got to be happening in a more covert way.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that that is a huge challenge for women in brokerage as well as just brokers that are in this like junior level position is because the more senior level brokers control a lot of the relationships and the accounts. And so when you're brought onto a project, the idea is to negotiate your splits up front of, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get this cut of the commission unfortunately a lot of brokers don't do that um, because it's so much more of a political game of getting that experience being able to show your worth and building that relationship with the senior level person so that's i think why there's a lot of money that's sometimes left on the table when it comes to the end of the transaction you're kind of scrambling as a broker to renegotiate your fees or try to understand what you're even getting paid now, I always made it to point, a point to ensure that I was negotiating my fees up front because I really wanted to be smart about, okay, if I'm going to put this work into it, I expect to get this out of it. And unfortunately, that doesn't always work um, when you're working with some of these senior level brokers that have a lot of control over these accounts.
0: So you negotiate the deal, you negotiate your fee at the start, but then how does it happen along the road that you get not paid out what you agreed upon? I just come see how that happens in a workplace yeah. in 2023. Yeah,
1: and it's something that's unfortunate and it happens at the majority of the firms is there's just a lack of management and oversight. And because these more senior level brokers are making millions of dollars for the firm, there is a little bit of a political game of, they have a lot of control and power. And so they're able to better negotiate themselves for what they should be paid and what they're earned, more so than a more junior level broker that, say, is not bringing in as much
0: value at that time to the firm. So you had specific experiences where you had agreed that you would be paid a certain amount and then didn't at the end? Yes. Many experiences. And I guess, are there other women who would say the same?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I've had a lot of women brokers that have reached out to me throughout my career that I've built relationships with and have mentored throughout my career and had a lot of women brokers as well reach out to me when I left commercial real estate to start her workplace. Um, You know, I think that there's a lot of change that needs to happen. And, you know, I think women are becoming more and more confident in, you know, negotiating those splits up front, asking for more and ensuring that they're truly paid for the work that they're doing and the value that they provide.
0: Marilyn came out of business school in 2021. The idea was not originally to start a company, but to build on being a broker. But 2021, of course, was a very difficult year for office brokers. There was just simply not a lot of clarity in how office space would look. During business school, she started to form a different opinion, too, about the commercial real estate industry.
1: When I was at business school, and I went there to continue to build relationships with people in New York and to build my client base, I went into it being a broker and saying to myself, I'm going to be the CEO of CBRE one day. That is my goal. I want to learn how to be a CEO and run an organization, but then I came out of it realizing how toxic... The industry that I was in, and how different my experience was than a lot of my colleagues that were in other industries and doing amazing things and starting companies. And so that's when I decided, you know, I think my journey is probably going to go down a different path. And when I finished business school, I started thinking to myself, what are my skill sets? What are the things I'm really passionate about? And it really was that merge of commercial real estate with the passion of supporting and elevating women in the workplace. And so it's been quite the journey, but it really was business school that gave me the idea of, you know, I don't have to keep going down this career of brokerage. There's so many other opportunities
0: out there. And you decided that you would not go back to brokerage that that was, that era was over for you. That career was not something you wanted to continue pursuing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was the hardest thing for me to do. I resigned from my company at the end of last year. It took me about two years to leave. You know, I kept trying to come up with different excuses inside of my head of, you know, I've been in this for so long, I should just keep going. They always say that in a down market, if you just push through, you'll end up coming out in the end in a very good position. Now, it's taken some time for the markets to recover, as we know, and New York has been slower than some others. And so brokers are really still struggling. And that's why you've seen a lot of brokers leave the industry and go do something else. And so I kind of hit that perfect time of, You know, if if I have any moment in my life to go down this path where I can take risk and, you know, I can try something new, you know, brokerage will always be there. I do have a brokerage license. I do have a brokerage firm and I am doing some deals on the side. You know, it's something I can always fall back on. But this was the moment for me to really take my education coming out of business school and jump into this opportunity of entrepreneurship especially being in a down market where brokerage is struggling and there's an opportunity on the other side of it for co-working companies to do very well.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine that you would look at co-working at that era in 2021 and think, "Yeah, I should be in co-working."
1: Yeah, and I mean it really was my experience um, I was actually representing Convene and was working on the account with a former colleague of mine who I is one of my mentors, who I just he's incredible and has been with me still throughout this journey of entrepreneurship. And that gave me more insight into, okay, what is this industry all about? What does the growth look like? How are other co-working companies, you know, coming out of the woodworks of coming out of the pandemics and restructuring their deals? Um, And so that actually kind of opened doors for me to think about this as an entrepreneurial
0: opportunity. So what was the original idea? How did you shape it and refine it to become what it is today, which is HerSpace, which is officially launching, I suppose you would say, this month? Yeah,
1: so I, I actually was thinking to myself in the beginning phases of ideation, which was really the majority of last year of maybe I should build the digital community first and start building the community, then thinking about the workspaces. And through that process of testing things, bringing together women within my community, I quickly realized that there is this craving to have an in-person experience so much more than the digital experience. I think people are really zoomed out and I quickly Realized that through my testing and doing a ton of surveys and trying to understand what it is that women and people want and so that's when in january decided to launch a founding member opportunity which we have over 350 women that are founding members and these are really advocates of what it is that we're building they're the ones that are spreading the word they're helping to get other women and non-binary people on our wait list. And so after launching the founding member opportunity, that's when the opportunity came for us to take over the space in New York over the summer for the co-working and networking pop-up. And so that really helped drive our growth. It really spearheaded our momentum. And now getting to the point where we're continuing to do more of the in-person programming and membership opportunities, while also starting to soft launch the digital platform.
0: How much of that do you think is because of what, we're, what we've are what we been experiencing with our workplaces, which are hybrid, everyone's in a different hybrid. Some people, everyone has a different view of how they want to use the office.
1: Yeah, I mean, we did a survey of about 250 women, um, trying to understand where are they working, do they like the workplaces that they're in the majority of those women, I think it was about 63%, are working fully remote, so working from home. And then um, the other results that came out of it was 57% of the entire survey were women that said that they liked their workspace. So they either liked working fully remote or they liked being in the office or they liked being hybrid. And so I think that the majority of people like where they're working which is why I think it's been really difficult for organizations to get people back into the office for specific consecutive days or numbers per week. Um, but really it's it's been all about the increased interest in having that in-person experience because if you're working at home all day and you see that there's a Her Workplace networking event in the evening, or you wanna take a coffee meeting with a potential client in the her workplace space, like you're craving to get out of your house or apartment for that. And so that's what we found this summer is that the majority of the women that came to our co-working days and networking events were either working in an office, going into the office a few days a week or working fully remote. But they really just wanted that in-person experience of being around other like-minded women and being able to connect in person.
0: It's hard to talk about women and co-working without talking about The Wing, particularly because her workplace is literally taking the former wing space. But The wing story, as successful as it was in the early days, is not a story most companies would want to recreate. The CEO of The Wing resigned in 2020 after complaints of systemic mistreatment of people of colour on staff. Then its parent company, IWG, closed it down in 2022, citing the damage done by COVID. It's something that Marilyn says she's thought quite a lot about. You know you're in the wing space and you have we, I don't think it's unfair to say that the wing was one of the biggest emblems of the now much derided girl boss era. It was it was built built on a sense of exclusivity but people have later criticized it and then recently when you look at what happened with the Women's Leadership Network chief which is a, an organization that members pay like nearly $8,000 to be part of it's been publicly slammed because its members um, have criticised the level of racial inclusivity, have you thought much about that as you've built the company? How do you make sure that it is exclusive but inclusive?
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know, I went through my own, um, I went through my own experience of being excluded from communities, or not getting into certain communities, or not feeling like I was included in communities. Um, this is something that I've thought about since the very beginning of how can we ensure that we're building the right policies and putting those in place at the very beginning so that everyone knows what our standards are and, you know, the goals that we're trying to meet from an inclusive standpoint. This is something that we too really emphasized during our pop-up this summer. All of our events, we featured women across different roles, at different levels within their career, across different industries. And that was something that was really remarkable um, because we're all about sharing the stories and elevating the voices of women. Women at all levels of their careers, their stories should be elevated. They should be able to have the opportunity to speak up and feel included and safe in the spaces that they're in. And so i've thought about that throughout this process of building the community of how do we continue to spread that ethos and give women that experience of feeling safe in the spaces whether digital or workspace that they're in and that they're joining and to be honest i i you know i'm a white woman and i was i'm privileged and you know i've Felt excluded in certain rooms that I've been in. You know, I was in this male dominated industry where it was mostly white men. And there were many times where I felt like the other in some of the spaces that I was in. And I'm not trying to create that environment because I know how that feels. Now, I don't know how that feels in on an everyday basis, whereas a lot of women do. And so I want to ensure that no one feels uncomfortable Everyone feels like they have a say and that they have a seat at the table.
0: Has has there been much take up from women of
1: color in your membership? Absolutely. The majority of the women that are on our wait list and the women that have come to the events that we hosted, at, including the ones that we did this summer, the majority of them are women of color. And women from diverse backgrounds, diverse experience across different industries. And it just... especially this past summer it just made me feel so good that we had women across all different backgrounds and experiences in the room. How did you because I
0: know people a lot of people always think I want to go out and start my own thing I mean how did you get the guts to do it when there was the the choice of going back to brokerage? how did you, how did you formulate the bravery, I suppose, to, to make that, to take that step?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, it, I mean, to be honest, it's, it is a daily struggle. Like there's some days where I'm like, this is amazing. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that I'm doing this. And there's other days where I'm like, should I be doing this? Why am I doing this? And I just keep going back to the reasons why I wanted to do this and why I believe so much in Women in this community that I'm building and and all of the women and people within my network that are supporting me throughout this entire process. Um, So it definitely is still a daily struggle and I'm still building up my confidence because I went through a toxic situation and I got out of a really tough industry that, to be honest, kind of left me broken down. And so I had to, last year, really build myself back up and I'm still building my confidence back and this opportunity has been one that has tested all of my limits and it's making me stronger every day and it's you know something that again i just don't know another point in my life where i would have this opportunity and it was it's something that i think about every day of like i'm making this leap because i want to make a difference in my career and i don't want to just be sitting at a desk collecting a paycheck which there's nothing wrong with that a lot of women want to be in that position and that's totally okay Um, but I just wanted to make a bigger splash
0: that's Marilyn Joyner the CEO of her workplace other stories on our website right now we have a story coming out on the six-month anniversary of SVB's collapse Uh, We've also got an update on the Crowd Street Nightingale saga and a piece about the drama at freight and logistics company Flexport. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.